<laughs> you know what you should do? You should take a chunk of that and put it on the Jets. Oh, yes, very funny. I'm serious, we can't get hurt. The Jets coach, sweetie. I should go say hello. Welcome, Pewter Report readers, viewers, and listeners to a brand new edition of the Pewter Report podcast. This is the last Pewter Report podcast of 2021. That's right. The next time you see us, it'll be for the Bucks game day against the New York Jets on Sunday. I believe that's January 2nd, but we'll get to that in just a minute. I'm your host today, Matt Matera, and joined with me is someone who's been on the podcast a lot lately and absolutely <laughs> crushing it. It is the very talented Casey Hudson. Casey, how are you doing this afternoon? You are so nice, Matthew. I appreciate it. I'm good. Uh, I'm just trying to figure out what day of the week it is. And, you know, Sunday will help me regulate my schedule when it's time for game day. But other than that, I'm, I'm ready to welcome in 2022. And I'm actually not anxious about the new year for once in my life. So that's definitely something to look that's good to. i think uh i think new year's gets a little overrated i enjoy the holiday i enjoy celebrating it but mm-hmm. I, I think there's in people's minds they automatically think like oh my god i have to do this and go crazy and go all out all if you want to do that that's fine if you want to do something at home with family and friends that's good too i think uh i think we got to put stop putting new year's on a pedestal because in my opinion it's just oh, yeah. the next day on the calendar you know, you could start your New Year's resolutions in November if you really wanted to. You could, and it would take some of the pressure off, honestly, because then the biggest debate is like, what do you do the next day? Well, everybody wants to just chill the next day. Some of us psychos are already trying to start that diet and the meal prep and all the things. Yeah. So, yeah, this year I'm just I'm just ready to ease into it, coast into 2022. Well, absolutely. And uh, a lot of people, their New Year's resolutions – are getting into shape, me included. That's just that's been that way for the last couple of years. Hasn't really worked, but maybe this year. But uh, <laughs> a huge way to help get into shape is by having a Celsius energy drink. And of course, the Peter Report podcast is brought to you by Celsius. Casey just holding it up there before I cut her off and <laughs> put up the Celsius picture. Um, guys, if you don't know by now, uh, we are so happy, proud, and lucky to have Celsius energy drink as the sponsor of the Peter Report podcast. You have to go out and try these energy drinks if you haven't yet. Not only is it the best energy drink out there because uh, you get no post jitters, you get none of that anxious feeling uh, after drinking it, but these flavors, I'm not kidding, are fantastic. You got strawberry, kiwi, guava, tropical vibe, uh, orange alone. Orange is just great. Uh, Wild berry, so many different flavors. It's just an absolutely fantastic drink to have. So uh, make sure you go to your local stores. I see it in gas stations all over the place and Walmarts and different convenience stores. I see it, um, you know, almost anywhere I go now, uh, which Mm -hmm. is which is great. And you can get it on Amazon as well. So make sure you check out any Celsius energy drink because I guaranteed you will not be disappointed. 100 percent. I finally started to, like, get out of my box a little bit. I also ran out of my favorite flavor, so I was forced to. But wild berry, I thought it would taste like medicine, and that's actually what I've had. I'm on my almost third one of the day. It's been a day. <laughs> Clearly. You're on your third one of the day. Yeah, there's a lot to do. That is something. A lot to do. But <laughs> at least this will help carry me through this Q&A and talking bucks and talking jets and all the things. It's for real, guys. A, a Celsius um, withdrawal is is real, so not doing that ain't that the truth yeah so again <laughs> thank you celsius for being our sponsor um as we were promoting today this is a bucks q a feel free to ask us anything related to the bucks the jets um you know anything with the nfl that's going on because there's never uh, a lack of topics when it comes to the nfl and yeah. so as we wait for the questions to to roll in and everything Casey, just uh, I want to hear your overall thoughts about this upcoming game against the New York Jets. Obviously, the Bucs are heavily favored, even with the number yeah. of injuries and players on the COVID list that they have. But there's two games left in the season. Still a lot to play for in terms of seeding and uh, where they could end up for the, uh, the postseason. And so uh, tell me what you're thinking. I know. It's 
the exciting part is that the chance of the Bucks winning out is clearly way higher, regardless of the injuries and all the COVID stuff that's kind of taking place and a ripple effect. I think at this point, well, it's only Thursday, but I think at this point it's almost safe to say who is going to be a part of the game on Sunday and who is not. Um, I would love to see the Bucks just kind of have a standout performance and build off of what they did versus the Panthers because there was just so many guys who were either younger guys or veterans that are kind of looking for that second chance in the league that really showed up on Sunday. So I could definitely see Brashad Perriman contributing. I was looking forward to having him back the other week. And then, of course, he didn't clear COVID protocols, not because obviously that whole fun, exciting call that we had with him versus the Bills, but just because of how much I think he can contribute while Chris Godwin and some other guys are out. Um, I also think that it's going to be another big day for the defense. We're hearing for the most part that they should be a collected unit besides the couple guys that are going to be out with COVID. But these are guys that have been out in other games while the Bucks defense has progressively stepped up over the last you know, four games or so. So I think it's going to be a solid win. I think Tom Brady definitely wants to close out these last two games on the highest note possible. And I think if you listen to pressers today, you could hear the coaching staff kind of leaning towards the fact that these younger guys are now really being forced to step up, especially after what they did the other week. So I think that the Bucks will go in and, and have a pretty grand old game. And maybe, just maybe, they might hopefully get a guy like Mike Evans back. Rick Stroud tweeted today that he was actually out at practice um, running some routes, not fully participating in practice, but running some routes, probably getting his lungs about him because once you clear COVID, depending on what your symptoms are, that's the first thing. I know that I struggled with breathing for weeks after. So I think all of us want to see Mike Evans come back because this guy's trying to break a thousand yards once more for what, the eighth time this season? It would be his, yeah, the eighth time this season. And yes, it would be huge if Mike Evans can come back. Um, it's funny because it's one of those things you want to balance. You want to get the record. It's, you know, Mike Evans, I believe, and a lot of us believe is a future Hall of Famer. And to have a record like that, to extend it as much as you, as you possibly can. And you have to remember, as great as his record is for Mike, um, it has more of a chance to be broken now because there's that extra regular season game. So any player entering the league now, if fully healthy for a full season, will uh, you know have that opportunity to get one more game to get 1,000 yards. Yeah. Uh, we got a comment here from Harvinder Sania. I hope I'm saying that correct. Um, he said a thousand yards is great and all that, but why risk your hamstring ending your whole season when you could just rest an extra week and prepare for the playoffs? Seems silly to me. I get your point totally, right? Because at the right. end of the day, you want all these players as healthy as possible for the mm -hmm. postseason. So if that means the Bucks win the Super Bowl and Mike Evans doesn't get a thousand yards, Mike Evans will one hundred million billion percent sign up for that. But yeah. I think there's also a, a point to me be made about um, having too much rest. I, I like I'm uh, so I fall in the middle of the rest versus rust thing. I think if you sit out for so long and then you go in and play a game, it might take yeah. you a little bit to really get it going. Uh, the big thing, and, and Scott Reynolds brought it up too, that I, I find interesting and I agree with. Mike only needs 101 yards, so if you want to sit him out this week and then go for it next week. That's fine because you're going to New York. It's going to be cold. The weather's probably going to be, you know, 35 degrees and below. Right. Would you rather play in that weather with a hamstring injury that's a soft tissue thing and could act up in any moment? Or would you rather play in Tampa when you're at home? You could sleep in your own bed, get as much treatment as you possibly can. I think odds were that he's going to play um, in, in the Carolina game to begin with. But uh, mm -hmm. I, I think it's a fair point that, yeah, you look at last season, they tried to feed him that ball in the last game against Atlanta, and he ended up getting hurt and almost missed the Washington game. And then he balled out in that Washington game uh, in the postseason. But, yeah, it's definitely a fair question, and I think there's a fine line to both of it. Yeah, 100%. I mean, the top of your sentence is 100 yards is great. You have to think what these guys, you know, what they work so hard for, what they put their bodies through, what they force their mental muscle to do. It's to really not that they're working towards these accolades, but it's the fact that, you know, if he hits that eighth 1000 yard season, what that's going to do, you know, down the line for his career or in general, you know, to make it that far to be short 101 yards, that might hurt. And I totally agree with the fact that it may not be worth doing it versus the Jets, especially between the weather and the fact that cold weather is not good for any injury. But you said something really profound, Matt, to the fact of like sometimes you really just kind of have to 
get moving eventually. Like I was, I've dealt with a couple injuries as a previous athlete. And honestly, they've never asked you to just kind of be still. They've asked you to do as much as you can and kind of stack on top of it. Because if you start letting that muscle, that tissue heal in a certain way, then you're kind of adding another injury that can, that can get irritated down the line. So the simple thing is here is that he can go up to the jets. He can play a couple, you know, get a couple yards, minimize that one Oh one, not wear himself out, what- not anything too crazy and then have a decent stack to put up versus the Panthers because I started looking into it and the last four games that Mike Evans has played in versus the Panther he's only broken 100 yards one time and that was the first game of last season so 2019 he only hit like 77 yards in 96 last year 104 in the first game and I think it was like 61 in the second game so you can't exactly put all your chips on that final game of the season if a goal for him is to break a thousand yards he's gonna either have to split it up or imagine the mentality of an athlete going into the final game of the season wanting to break 100 yards that's probably a lot more pressure than doing a little bit now and a little bit later so I would prefer if that's his goal to see him in versus the Jets, contribute on some big downs, and then kind of relax. Yeah, Casey, that that's a great point that you brought up because I, I was running it through my head too before this podcast of like, okay, what if he plays just the first half against the Jets? Because let's face it, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it was insane what An- Antonio Brown did against Carolina last week, but Carolina yep. still has one of the top pass defenses in the NFL where Mike Evans is more likely to break that record against, or at least, you know, break a chunk into that record against the Jets, who their best cornerback is a guy named Bryce Hall, who isn't even the most famous Bryce Hall. If you're into, you know, uh, YouTube and, you know, YouTube reality (laughs) stars and stuff like that. (laughs) Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Some people on this chat will get that. Others will be like, what the heck are you talking about? But Mike Evans has a better chance of if he was going to play one game, get 101 yards, it would be against uh, the Jets than it would be against Carolina. So I think you you bring up a really great point. Uh, right there we're going to move on to we're going to stick with the wide receivers but uh move to a different question here from john c he says who will become wide receiver three perryman johnson or grayson so i guess this is saying if mike evans is playing if if let's do it both ways if mike evans okay. is playing i think without question it's going to be Brashad perryman as the three because yep. it's just you know the, the coaching staff they trust him more than anyone else I think he's a good fit for that number three receiver. Rashad Perriman doesn't really have an issue getting open. It's making those tough catches or making catches in general that has kind of been an issue since he's played with the Bucs in his two stints here in Tampa yeah. Bay. So to answer that part of it, I think it's, you know, Rashad Perriman is the number three. Let's just yeah. say hypothetically Mike Evans doesn't play and Perriman becomes a number two. Who becomes the number three? Is it Tyler Johnson or Cyril Grayson? I'll leave it up to you, Casey. Honestly, I don't mean this to sound as – disrespectful as it's going to sound, but you guys might just want to remove Tyler Johnson from the conversation for a minute. It's he's had a lot of opportunity in the past. I mean, not even in the past, this whole season, he's had a lot of opportunity and he just really kind of hasn't found his way all the way. Tom Brady kind of was asked about what he whispered in his ear in a red zone play. And he just somewhat alluded to the fact that Tyler Johnson wasn't fully aware of what was happening on the play. And I think that this happens a lot more than we probably notice or that we probably hear about because these guys are about protecting their teammates, which I am all about. But Tyler Johnson's kind of struggling. His best game was versus the Saints this season, and we haven't seen that player yet. So for me, it would be either Cyril Grayson or Brashad Perriman. Now, obviously, there's a big high because of what Perriman did do versus the Bills, but I think Cyril Grayson almost showed himself to be that much more reliable because any opportunity he's gotten, he's made the most of it. Um, they may have an equal distribution of drops between the pair of them. So at that point, you're just looking for side versus size versus speed and whatever the situation is on the field in that moment. If I had to choose, which I don't like doing, but I'm not going to be JC. Um, I think <laughs> they probably go with surreal Grayson. I think that they let him build off the momentum from the Panthers game for one uh, with Perriman coming back from COVID protocols. Again, you can't really dictate what a player's, you know, lungs and and capacity is going to look like getting back on the field after dealing with, you know, a situation like that, depending on what his symptoms are. Once again, I don't know what they were, but I think that they want to just build off the units that performed versus the Panthers, because you're going versus the jets. That's a little less of an issue. Not that the Panthers were then, you know, why not do what you did? And then some thanks, Jimmy. 
Yeah, uh, just let's just pile. Don't mean to, but piling on JC here, uh, your hat game versus JC's hat game. Uh, it's a uh, you know, it's a bloodbath <laughs> in that terms. Yeah, if I have to pick, if I have to pick one of the two, uh, I'm a firm believer of what have you done for me lately? And obviously, in that answer, it's Surreal Grayson Jr. for the big reception that he had, for the big block that he had on Keyshawn Vaughn's 55 yard touchdown run, and Bruce Arians. I don't want to say above all else, but it's very high up there. Loves a great blocking wide receiver. And there's no replacing Chris Godwin. We all understand that. Mm -hmm. But in blocking situations, Cyril Grayson had that on the Keyshawn Vaughn run. And Tyler Johnson, the only time he was on TV, it felt like, in that game, was when he was blocking on a screen for Antonio Brown. It was a second and one. And Antonio Brown caught it and got tackled right away. They still gave the Bucs the first down, which was very weird. Which because they should have just got the first down on the last play. They called yeah. it a nine yard run, but it was it was like at least ten yards. But um, I digress there. I think Surreal Grayson Jr. <laughs> semantics. What's up? I said semantics. Oh yeah, of course, of course. <laughs> um, but yeah, what have you done for me lately? What have you done for me this season? Surreal Grayson has not gotten nearly as close to as much playing time as um as Tyler Johnson has. And Cyril had that, you know, that touchdown against the Saints, the bomb from Brady to him. And then this game, arguably the best game of his career against Carolina with three receptions for 81 yards and probably should have mm-hmm. had a touchdown. And he was the first one to clown himself <laughs> after the yeah. post-game press conference. So I think I think it'll be more of a mixture of the two, really, to answer the question. I don't think it's just going to solely be one guy mm-hmm. or the other. You're going to get both in there, which I think is uh, – which I think is very important. I was trying to find a, there was a question about uh, Byron Leftwich. Yeah, I'm getting to it here. Uh, wow. Ramey says, do you guys think if Byron leaves for a head coaching job, does that affect Brady and BA's tenure in Tampa? I wouldn't think so. Casey, I'll start it off with you. I wouldn't think so either. Um, I think that Tom Brady's, for the most part, in my honest opinion, I don't think Leftwich is going anywhere, at least in the next coming season. I think he's one of the younger guys in the head coaching conversation right now. So there's no rush to get there. But I think to be able to say that you coached a guy like Tom Brady and to keep collecting certain, you know, awards and progressions under your belt, he, you know, who knows what coaching opportunity is going to be open in another year or two. But I think it'll be just as good. Uh, just as big of an opportunity, but then you start getting even more experience with a 22, you know, 22 year seasoned veteran. So realistically, I don't think Byron Leftwich is going anywhere just yet. The same way that Todd Bowles didn't go anywhere last year, this team with all the injuries and all the COVID situation that they have going on, they still have all that potential to go all the way. And if they go all the way this year, then you can bank on them doing, you know, pretty epic things again, one more year. So, but all that to say, I don't think it would, um, affect their their tenure right i think bruce arians obviously can find guys because he has more than just one bruce arians guy so if byron mm-hmm. leftwich were to leave and i still feel like if i was another team i just feel it's still a little too early for byron leftwich you know he was offensive yeah. coordinator for a half a season in arizona and then came over and now he's in his third year as the Bucs offensive coordinator, second with Tom Brady. And he's obviously building up a really good resume, uh, having the number one offense this year, won a Super Bowl last season. I just feel like there you still need to do a little bit more just because he's still so young into it. And you look like a you know an offensive coordinator for the Buffalo Bills. I believe his name is uh, Brian Dayball. You know, that situation for like Jacksonville seems like it would fit more just because you're taking a guy that just worked with a young quarterback and Josh Allen and now has made him, you know, one of the premier quarterbacks in the league. Can he do mm-hmm. that again with Trevor Lawrence where Byron Leftwich really just comes into a situation where he had the greatest quarterback of all time right there. So um, could use a little bit more time uh, for Byron Leftwich there. And if he were to go too, I mean, you have no shortage of options on the offensive side. I mean, one, Tom Brady will just do what he wants to do anyway, as he, <laughs> yeah. as he kind of mentioned there. Uh, you can go quarterbacks coach Clyde Christensen. That's a lot of uh, C's and Q's right there in a row. But, you know, he has experience calling plays before. Uh, Harold Goodwin, I think that mm-hmm. could be a situation that he would welcome the opportunity, especially for uh, a man himself that has said that he has aspirations to uh, become a head coach one day. And he actually talked about a lot how a lot of times – 
they look at offensive and defensive coordinators before they look at other assistant coaches that don't call plays. So maybe if he thinks this helps me get a better chance of getting a head coaching job, then I think he would, without question, uh, jump at the opportunity. I uh, just wanted to give a shout out to Greg DeCruz here. He's always in all of our you know, podcasts, commenting on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, wishing everyone at Peter Report a happy new year. Thinking about those who we lost this year, RIP Mark Cook. I agree. RIP Mark. Um, he's the man. I, I miss him a lot. And thank you for that comment, Greg. Happy new year to you as well. Uh, you're one of the best fans around, and we really appreciate um, all your communication with us here on the Peter Report podcast. Uh, scrolling down now, Nacho has been activated. That's good. Um, mm-hmm. okay, you know what? Let me get to the injury report right now because uh, it just posted a couple of minutes ago. Thankfully. Some good news and bad news here for the Buccaneers. Um, Antonio Brown did not participate with an ankle injury. With that said, Tom Brady didn't participate as well, but we know that Tom Brady is going to play on Sunday. Who knows if this is just a veteran's day off or if this is actually a situation where – uh, that lingering ankle issue it popped back up again and could be mm-hmm. something there. Um, so that's the bad news. The good news, Rashad Perryman, now that he's activated, he was a full participant today, so it looks like he'll be good to go playing against his former team, the New York Jets. And um, safety Antoine Winfield Jr. was limited in practice today, so he did not participate yesterday. He's back today, which that's huge, especially – I get it, it's the Jets, but – knowing that you don't have Shaq Barrett, you probably don't have JPP, Levante Davis mm-hmm. not there, and Jamel Dean and Sean Murphy bunting are on the COVID list. You need as many guys as you can possibly yeah. get. In general, alone the secondary, who haven't had anyone this year, but to have Antoine Winfield Jr., if he could play in this game, that it, I, it, you can't underestimate how important that is. Yeah, absolutely, especially because – we, you know, we've mentioned it before. You don't want to underestimate the Jets because they have been able to beat teams like the Titans and, you know, some other teams. And the and Bengals. Up, yeah, and the Bengals. That was the other one, 34-something, I believe. But when you think about it, they've been able to put up points. Some of these other teams that the Bucks have faced in the past couple of weeks, you know, they're teams that have barely broke 17 points or, you know, are they going to break 17 points versus the Bucks? You don't want to be in that situation or assume that that's going to be the case with the Jets. They do – well with actually getting points on the board. It's just the fact that they're not the strongest team overall. So if the Bucks are extremely depleted, you're going to give a team like the Jets an opportunity to, you know, win. Maybe not anything outstanding, but still just enough to get by. Yeah, that's a great point right there. Um, it's just so funny because I've watched the Jets for a very, very long time, and I've seen heartbreaking losses. I've seen... <laughs> games that they had no business winning and they go and win. And I've seen a lot of humiliating and debilitating losses. And uh, just one thing I've learned about the Jets is just don't bet on them <laughs> because it's going to end up in, in heartbreak. But um, if you were going to bet and the Jets are clearly the underdog in this game, um, a perfect place to go and bet would be uh, Underdog Fantasy, a proud sponsor of the Peter Report podcast. Um, underdog fantasy it's great to start your nfl season by uh, sorry i'm gonna try to get this comment off here um it's great to start your season you they have so many different uh fantasy drafts different uh you know events to get you ready for your um for your fantasy football season itself but they have a ton of things in season as well which i'm really a big fan of they have so many different prop bets where you can go and you could place a bet on such as uh, who will have more receiving yards this week, Antonio Brown or Braxton Barrios? Obviously, that answer is going to be Antonio Brown. But they have so many different um, live in-game situations that you can place money on. They have um, weekly drafts as well, too. So if you're not into the long haul of the season, you just want to do it on a daily or weekly situation, you could do uh, in-game drafts with uh, right there on Underdog Fantasy and – One other thing that is super important that you should know about is that uh, for Underdog Fantasy, they are doing promotion right now where if you use the promo code Pewter, as you can see on the screen right there, use the promo code Pewter and they will match up to $100 worth uh, in promo codes. So, sorry, that didn't make sense. Use the promo code Pewter. They will match up to $100 
that uh, you put into your account. So you put in $100, they'll match that, bam, you got $200 right then and there, and you can go and put that on the Bucks. You can go put that on one of your daily uh, fantasy teams. Whatever you want to do, make sure you're doing it at Underdog Fantasy, and we thank them for being a sponsor of the Pewter Report podcast. Going to get to some other questions here. There's one by Emily that I was trying to find. I got to give John credit because doing the show and then like navigating through the comments <laughs> and everything too, it's um, you have it's to not be as easy as a multitasker. But, uh, shout out to John for that. Yeah, Emily, this was the question that I. What's up? No, I said he's quite the multitasker. Oh, sorry, you have to be. <laughs> yeah, so uh, Emily here with a good question, and we we want to talk about Keyshawn Vaughn as well too. I'm not really a Vaughn fan, but do we use him a lot in the game to see if he really has anything? To me, in the last game, he took one step forward, then took two steps back with yet another drop pass. Emily, you are 100% spot on. Um, Keyshawn Vaughn, he obviously had the 55-yard run. and But after that, really didn't do too much in the ground game. You know, it was really, that was the highlight and everything else was kind of, you know, fell out of place after that. The big thing, if you want to look at these last two games of the season and look at the future of the Bay Buccaneers as well, Keyshawn Vaughn is the only running back under contract for next season. So the Bucs have a huge decision to make because it doesn't look like Ronald Jones is coming back. Leonard Fournette has been fantastic, but what's his market going to be? You don't want to overpay for a running back no matter how great Leonard Fournette has been this season. And Giovanni Bernard, you know, obviously huge in the passing game, but he's a veteran on a, on a small contract. So even if he were to get brought back, he wouldn't be the number one guy. Keyshawn Vaughn, this is a huge opportunity for him to prove that he should be the guy next year. Now, I imagine the Bucs will probably go out and uh, look at a running back in the draft, maybe not the first round, obviously, but you know that second, third, fourth round really could be a situation right there. But Keyshawn Vaughn, Bruce Arian said that, oh, you know, he's got good hands. I know he dropped one or two, but he's working on it. You have to prove that, man, because Bruce Aaron said the same thing about Ronald Jones, and Ronald Jones is what it is when it comes to passing, which is if he's wide open and no one's around him, yeah, he'll catch it, but he's not going to make those swing passes. He's not going to make those difficult ones. Uh, The ship has sailed on Rojo as far as a receiving back and probably with his time with the Bucs, no matter how great of a run he has these next two games. But Keyshawn Vaughn, um, he's got a lot to prove. I don't know yet if he could be a number one running back just because we haven't seen him in that situation. Um, but there's, there's no, uh, there's no doubt that this is a huge moment for him. Oh, absolutely. I, um, great question, by the way, Emily, I do think that we will see a lot more of on in this game because coach Arian said that he's a lead back. Not that Arians cares about proving anyone right or wrong, but it's just, I think that kind of alluded to the fact that he's going to give him a little bit more opportunity. So after hearing this lead back thing, of course, I kind of needed to geek out for a second and figure out why he called him that because I didn't agree with it whatsoever from what we've seen (laughs) kind of looking back into Vaughn's history and stuff. You know, he started his, his football career at Illinois and he had a great breakout season. I'm pretty sure he had like 723 yards to start. Then he got washed out by other running backs. Um, He wasn't able to keep up. He wasn't able to compete. So then he ended up sitting 2017 so that he can transfer over to Vanderbilt back to his hometown. And when he got there, he learned from a guy named um, Ralph. I'm forgetting his, I'm drawing a blank on his last name, but you know, a, a lead running back, which was fantastic. Then he had 2000 plus yard seasons. The first season he had like 13 receptions, I think 170 yards. The next season he had 28 receptions, 270 yards. So collegiate wise, he showed that he can, you know, he had hands, he showed that he had so much potential and clearly that's why the bucks picked him up in the third round. But ever since he got here, it's just kind of been like a, is this guy a flop? But looking over all of that, I think what that showed me is that he's just one of those guys that takes a lot more time to really get his feet underneath him and really start to get into a rhythm. So maybe we're seeing the beginning of that now. Maybe we're going to see a whole different Keyshawn Vaughn towards the end of the season, playoffs, and then heading into next year, knowing that you know he is the only contracted running back. Maybe that puts the right kind of pressure on his shoulders, but you saw great things with him in college. It's just we know that sometimes it doesn't translate, especially in the running bo- running back group. But with what I saw in his stats in college, it just looks like it takes him some time. It looks like when that competition comes in, he takes a minute to like learn and kind of find who he is and his identity in that role before he really starts progressing. 
But the other thing that I found really interesting about Keyshawn Vaughn looking into him is that they kind of compared him to a one trick pony. So he's not the kind of running back to where he might break a tackle or two, but it kind of affects his momentum. And then it stops him from getting down the field. His best, like the best opportunity for him to get down the field as a running back is when he has a clear shot to just take off and use that speed. So you can't always count on that in the NFL. And if that's the best that he can do, then he's not going to have a future with the Bucs. And it helps that you have three pro, pro Bowl offensive linemen blocking for you, a Pro Bowl alternate, and a guy that I think everyone believes should be in the Pro Bowl in mm -hmm. Donovan Smith. I actually, I think Keyshawn Vaughn, he's struggled horribly, to say the least, uh, in the passing game. But I actually do think that, you know, he still has a little bit more that he's just, he hasn't shown yet, uh, to be totally honest with you. Um, do I think that means he should be the number one running back on this team? In 2022? No, absolutely not. But let's remember, he did, you know, in the very limited amount of playing time he's had in his whole career, let alone this season, um, he does have a receiving touchdown from Tom Brady. It came in the uh, the regular season win against the Packers. So, um, yeah, there's no question that these are two huge games for him to at least put himself in the argument slash discussion for training camp next year of, mm -hmm. okay, maybe we won't sign this veteran guy and we're just going to trust – uh, you know, we're just going to trust Keyshawn Vaughn and whoever the other rookie that they draft. Let's have a competition between them and may the best man may the best man win. I think that's probably best case scenario for Keyshawn Vaughn right yeah. now. Um, want to get to this real quick. Rock 813 says, I can see that Jet fan with the hard hat screaming at Brady, LOL. Um, he's talking about Fireman Ed. Uh, Fireman Ed <laughs> is the guy that does the J-E-T-S chants. Um, I just want to take this moment to say that Fireman Ed He's like the, the 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 head fan of the Jets fan base. Fireman Ed is an absolute fraud. Um, he <laughs> quit on the he quit on the team a couple of years ago uh, when things were going bad. I think it wasn't too long after the butt fumble. Um, he claims because other fans were being mean to him. Um, you know, if it's something like physical or whatever, the, like that's not cool. Don't harass a guy like that. But when you're the number one fan of a fan base and people are giving you crap because your team stinks, that's part of the job, buddy. So I don't want to hear it that you quit on the team because they stunk and then all of a sudden they get a rookie QB and now you're back. Um, that's BS. Fireman Ed is an absolute fraud. That guy stinks. He shouldn't be the, the number one guy of a fan base. That's why he's not a Hall of Famer and Buck Nasty is for the Bucks. Fireman Ed, get out of here. Either stick with the team the whole time or relinquish the, the fan shit, all right? Don't say you're the number one guy and then leave, and then all of a sudden, hey, things look kind of promising. I'm going to come back. That's not how being a fan works. So, Rock, thank you for that comment. I just wanted to get that off my chest. I appreciate all of you uh, listening to me on that. Let's, um, let's go through some other comments here. Thank you. Vaughn is the new wild thing. <laughs> I kind of like that. You don't really know uh, what you're going to get in that mm -hmm. situation. Uh, I do agree, though. The more touches he gets, the better. So we don't know. Yeah. We'll see. If, if Vaughn comes in clutch by exploding in the playoffs, I'll, I'll buy his jersey. All right. We'll hold you to it, Ted Curtis. That could be a big thing right now. <laughs> um, Since we're on the topic of playoffs, Casey, um, mm -hmm. how do you feel about just what would be an ideal matchup for the Bucs in the first round? Um, do you see them getting that number two seed? Because I think the number one seed is kind of out of the question right now. Um, just your overall thoughts of what's the best road for the Jet for the Bucks to take um, in order to get back to the Super Bowl and win two in a row? Um, that's a great question. Because I think more than likely they'll be at the two seed as well. But where does that place them in terms of their opponent? Potentially the uh, right now it would be the Eagles. Cardinals? Okay. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I thought you meant the first round. So the first round, let's just say hypothetically the Bucks got the uh let's just say the Bucks got the two seed. That would put them uh against either the Eagles. The Saints are right there, but the Saints, it seems like just with their whole quarterback situation, I don't think they're gonna get into the playoffs. And again, yeah. Washington uh is, is another situation. So most likely it would it would look as that they would play the Eagles in the first round, and then after that because they're the two seed, if they beat the Eagles, they would still have home field. And they, then they end up probably playing either Dallas, because Dallas would probably be the three seed, either Dallas or the Rams or uh, Arizona in that second round. 
Okay. Great options. Well, I mean, with that first possible. Or the Niners as well, too. Sorry to interrupt you, but Niners as well. No, no, you're good. With the the first possible one, honestly, I think it'd be a good game to see them go against the Eagles again. We know that they can beat them and then kind of, you know, rest up and head into the second round. As for the second round, though, I would love to see the Bucs play the Cardinals. The the Cardinals kind of have that equivalent competitive nature where they've got some, you know, a lot of talent, not as much as the Bucks, but they could really sneak up on you. So they'll they'll give the Bucks enough of a challenge to kind of gun towards, you know, heading back into a Super Bowl. If you go against the Rams, I think that's something that'll that'll really speak to the talent of the Bucks. And I think that they'd be more hungry to beat the Rams <laughs> with their talent sheet and after losing to them earlier in the season, because I know that it was kind of a split decision on whether or not they would have beat the Rams, but they definitely had the like the potential to do so. So I think that they would be that much more eager to kind of really show, okay, we were able to beat this team then, we can definitely beat them now, and then kind of step on them on their way towards the Super Bowl. But first round, I'd probably say the Eagles, unless the Saints signing Blake Bortles creates this magical <laughs> turnaround for Playoff them. Blake. Look, I have I have so many emotions about that because, of course, like UCF alumni, yes, you know, that's I've right. watched Blake play. So, you know, it's it's tough because I've seen Blake Bortles really pull some things out of the hat. But in the same sense, I don't even know where Bortles has been since getting dismissed from the Green Bay Packers. So that would be interesting. And I know that the Bucks would probably love to show that they can actually beat the Saints and that they're not their kryptonite or, or whatever voodoo is going on over there. But I think the Eagles can just move forward, Cardinals, and, and keep powering through is what I'd like to see. Yeah, so when I look at the, the playoff picture, I, I look at two teams that I think the Bucs absolutely need to avoid. And one of them is the Saints. And again, the, the more each week goes, the more it looks like the Saints aren't going to make the playoffs. So they ex- – at that um because the saints have had their number and we've we talked about that a ton so we know what that um the other team though i think we're forgetting that has had the bucks number a lot lately but that's the rams over the last two seasons the rams have defeated the bucks and really beat them badly on both sides of the ball i mean they're as explosive on offense as the bucks will see you know not many teams can go toe-to-toe with the bucks on offense the rams are one of those and when that defense gets cooking, Aaron Donald on the line, Jalen Ramsey, one of the best corners in the league, they ha- just have a great scheme against the Bucs. There's certain teams that they get that right scheme, and it's given Tampa yeah. Bay some issues um, just in regular season games. So I really think playing against them would be tough for the Bucs. Really not concerned about Arizona, and they are slipping badly over the last couple of weeks. Dallas... Again, good offensive weapons, and their defense is insanely improved from a, a season ago. But um, I still like that matchup for the Bucs, even if they had to go into Dallas. I really don't think um, that would be too much. A, I mean, it, it would be a very close game, but I like I would mm-hmm. pick the Bucs to win that for sure. I do have a take that I, I don't know if I've said publicly, but I've said it to some people. Um, everyone's talking about, oh, the NFC Championship game is going to be in Green Bay, and I'm not disagreeing with that. But I think the whole – going to play in Lambeau in late January <laughs> is not as intimidating as it once was. I mean, you look at the last couple NFC championship games in Lambeau for the Packers. It hasn't worked well for the Packers. They lost. I mean, this goes mm-hmm. back to Brett Favre, but they lost to the giants when the giants beat Brady in that first super bowl, they lost to the giants again, the second time that they, that they beat, um, that they beat Tom Brady. Um, this one wasn't at Lambeau, but they got dominated by the 49ers when the 49ers went and lost to the Chiefs. And then the Bucs beat them in Lambeau last season. So right. I'm not saying that the Packers stink at Lambeau in the NFC Championship game, but they don't really have a recent history of like dominating at home in the NFC Championship game. And you look at the last two weeks, too. They're going to get the number one seed because they would have to lose two in a row and they're playing the Lions. And they're not going to lose to the Lions, even though the Lions just beat Arizona. But you look at the last two games, they went on the road and barely beat a Ravens team that has a thousand injuries on defense. And Lamar Jackson didn't play that game. And the only reason why they won is the Ravens decided to go for two and they didn't get it. And they should have gone for two. They just had a terrible play call. Yeah. And then you look at the game against Cleveland. Baker Mayfield had four interceptions. And that fourth one came when the Browns had the ball and had a chance to score with under two minutes left to go ahead and win that game. It wasn't like Mm -hmm. Baker Mayfield had four interceptions and the Packers won by 20. 
You know, they won by yeah. less than a touchdown in Lambeau. So again, <laughs> let's not act like Green Bay all of a sudden is invincible. All right, because they're really not. They haven't played. They played okay. They're winning. But you look at those last two games, and again, what have you done for me lately? And there's not much I've seen from the Packers that's like, oh, my God, no one can go in there and win because that just hasn't been the case. And we're lying to ourselves saying that it is. I completely agree. I think it's just the intimidation factor of the history of that franchise where people want to keep gassing up Lambeau Field. But in all reality, I think you hit it on the head. (laughs) Like They haven't really had an outstanding performance there in a while. Um, I really wouldn't mind seeing the Bucs play them, but I do have to say – I would be a bit of a mess watching the Bucks play the Cowboys right now. Somebody said in the comments, and I think it's the best way to put it, they're peaking at the right time. They might not they have are. the, you know, the hard part is it depends on how many players actually return to, you know, contribute in playoffs because some of these injuries or some of these guys you might not be able to count on for a certain amount of snaps. They might just be able to get in there a couple of rotations to kind of help the team morale and energy and really hang out on the sideline. So that's the part that makes me a little bit more nervous, but the Cowboys could be a team to, to sneak. They're loading up offensively, being able to put points on the board and their defense can do just enough to shut somebody out. So it would have to be a, a very healthy Bucks defense going against the Cowboys to, to see them pull that one off. I hear you. Um, I mean, you look at that that uh, Sunday night game against Washington. That was incredible. I mean, the fact that they put up 56 points, they scored on offense, defense, and special teams. We started rooting just for the fact we want to see history. We looked it up. The uh, the um, the overall record for most points scored by one team is like 72. So it was like, ah, eh, you know, that's probably not going to happen. But about fourth or fifth on the list was like 62, 63. So that was well within reach. And obviously, yeah. they took out Dak. Um, you know, they took out Dak midway through the third quarter, so they probably weren't going to get it. They scored with the back of quarterback Cooper Rush, so they were still kind of going for it for a little bit. Again, the only argument I would make there, while they are peaking at the right time and Micah Parsons has been incredible, um, you know, they played Washington twice and they played the Giants with Mike Lennon. So they haven't really exactly played against a, a team that strikes a ton of fear into you. But uh, moving on, another uh, question here from Emily. Gronk has been on a little bit of a slump here lately, but where the heck is OJ? What is it? Is he hurt? Is he not up to par? Is he not trusted? OJ was supposed to be a staple of our offense. What wasn't he? Question mark. Uh, another great question from Emily. Um, Casey, I'll let you tackle this one first. Yeah, I absolutely agree, Emily. He was supposed to be a staple in this offense, especially if you saw how he played with Jameis Winston as his quarterback, you thought that this guy was going to be progressively better, probably one of the leading tight ends of this franchise. Unfortunately, it looks like he's, he's struggling to, to become that full tight end package. Uh, Coach Arians made a comment in post-game pressers, I believe, or Monday's pressers saying that, you know, he's doing well at the blocking, but that's really about it. Whereas like, I don't see his blocking even being that consistent. I personally just feel like he hasn't mentally come back from that Achilles injury. I know that something like that can just cause such intimidation and you have to have a hell of a mental muscle to make sure that you're pushing past, you know, the fear of doing something like that again, because he was on a great climb last season. He was starting to get better in the passing game. His blocking was a little bit stronger. And now he looks like he's taking five steps backwards. So I don't see much of a change this season as the season starts wrapping up and heading into playoffs. But I know that the, the, expectation was for OJ Howard to be a leading tight end for the Bucks. Yeah. To answer the first part of it about Gronk, um, I wouldn't even call it a slump. I would just say it was a bad game against new Orleans and then the game against Carolina. Sure. The, the drop in the end zone was a mistake. Again, I don't consider this at all a, a thing that's going to continue. It was just a bad moment right then and there. And the game plan from the get-go was get the ball to Antonio Brown and let him do the rest. Mm -hmm. So I don't really think that's anything on Gronk. You go back to last season, there were many games starting out where the Bucs won and Gronk was mostly blocking and was, um, you know, not a huge factor in the passing game. And then when they needed Gronk, uh, that's what he became. And obviously he was a great receiving tight end for the start of this season too. Had a hundred yard game once he came back from that rib injury. And um, there's just so much talent on this team, even with players out that, you know, that was Antonio Brown's game. Gronk had that one reception for, I believe it was 22 yards. 
Um, it's not a sign that he's struggling if that's just the way the game went. I mean, they won 32 to six. It wasn't like what Gronk wasn't involved. Like, come on. Um, as far as the OJ situation, Casey, I agree with you a ton. I, I truly think it's, you know, on, on overcoming that mental aspect of being able to play with a serious injury, like an Achilles. Um, I think that's really hampered OJ in his return. Um, he hasn't really gotten too many opportunities, but you know, he's not even beating Cam Braid out as the number two uh, tight end. And Cam Braid mm-hmm. is solid. He's obviously very steady in the red zone, and Bucks fans love him for that. And he's very helpful in that area. He just scored a touchdown in Carolina. But if you told me that in training camp, OJ beat out Cam for that for the second string tight end, I don't think anyone would be shocked. Um, OJ, I still think, is athletic. And I think he could really work on a couple of other different teams. Um, I just think the way that the Bucks go about their offense. They've never really been extremely tight end heavy in the passing game as it is, even if you have three tight ends on the field. Um, it just hasn't – it really hasn't totally clicked since Bruce Aarons has been the head coach here, and obviously OJ gets hurt a lot too, which really hasn't helped development. Um, I'm still optimistic for OJ as a player in the NFL, but he's in a contract year with the Bucs, and I really don't think he's he's coming back to Tampa Bay and – Again, it's a situation like the Bucks could be in a very weird situation where, you know, there's no guarantee that Gronk's going to be back next year. He could just retire. Mm-hmm. And if OJ doesn't resign, then you're looking at Cam Brate as your number one tight end. And then you have a couple other guys like Cody McElroy that could end up making the team. But tight end is a position that the Bucks, you know, aren't going to take in the top three rounds, but definitely could be a late round pick. You could see a tight end that could lobby to uh, get some playing time in 2022. But a good question there because uh, I've been asked on radio about OJ. Um, I think that tight end situation is is very interesting because OJ had a good game against Philly that Thursday night game. But when when Gronk was out with with uh, you know his rib injuries, camp break wasn't bad, but I wouldn't say he stepped up. And OJ didn't really step up. the The tight end position just became blank. It was just you're blocking, and that's about it. You know, there wasn't really too much of an impact in the receiving game. Um, that I think the Bucs would have, you know, liked to see just a little bit more. I will say about O.J. Howard, he is a pretty good bowler. I've seen him bowl, bowl <laughs> at this place. Uh, should be coming up. There we go. I've seen him bowl at this place, Pin Chasers, which is a proud sponsor of the Peter Report podcast. Make sure, if you want to have a fun night out with your friends, family, anyone, Take him out to Pin Chasers. There are multiple locations, East Pasco, Zephyr Hills, Midtown, uh, Veterans. There's one uh, right by the Tampa Bay Bucks facility. Um, they have deals, Casey, like literally every single day. You got all-you-could-eat pizza on Tuesdays uh, for $11.99. They got all-you-can-bowl on Thursdays and $1 Miller Lights. Um, they have deals every single night. Um, their, their grill is great as well, too. Um, you can get breakfast food whenever you want. It's it's better food than you would expect. Uh, you know, uh, it, it shouldn't. Sometimes bowling alleys you might think not the best food. That's not the case here with Pin Chasers. Uh, it's very top notch food. Their bar, they got a huge selection of drinks that you could want. You can get a bucket, a pitcher, uh, whatever you want. Um, so make sure you go to Pin Chasers. Go to pinchasers.net to reserve a lane or set up a party. For uh, again, friends, family, or your kids, uh, make sure you check out Pin Chasers, and they are huge Bucks fans. So um, if you go there, you are supporting fellow Tampa Bay Bucks fans, which is always a great cause. Uh, let's get back to some of the questions here. Uh, a lot of comments about the postseason. A lot of comments about um, the running back situation and what we just talked about. With um, with OJ and Gronk and everyone. Here's another one from John C. Le'Veon Bell, the third down back this week. That is, I still think that's a little bit too early. I mean, I mm-hmm. know that um, he played a little bit. He played a little bit on uh, Sunday, pretty much in mop up time after the game was done with. Yeah, and I know like Rich. Richard Sherman came in and was able to like play on the defense like so quickly. I do think it's it's uh, you know slightly different on the offensive side because there's so many different things with pass blocking and and different lingo there. But 
Do you think that Le'Veon Bell, maybe not this week, but for the last game of the season and maybe going into the playoffs, could he be a third down guy? Because we were talking about how Roja doesn't have hands. And we talked about how Keyshawn Vaughn has struggled catching the easiest of passes. Could that be a role for Le'Veon Bell? Maybe not this Sunday, but definitely versus the Panthers. I mean, Le'Veon Bell is known to have, or, you know, it's been talked about that he has good hands and that he, you know, was a, a pretty solid um, third down back when it came to the steel, his career with the Steelers. So I think for him, it's just getting acclimated into this system. As you mentioned, probably, you know, getting dialed in on the terminology because I think he had three opportunities versus the Panthers this past Sunday and had negative one yard. So clearly he's still getting situated, but the tough part is that any vet that the Bucks have brought in this season, they really have kind of been a flop. So I think a part of me is just really reserved to see or, you know, hype up or back up the fact that this guy's going to come in and contribute because any other guy is just kind of, you know, RIP. They, they haven't been able to contribute. They've only <laughs> done the bare minimum, you know, it killed me. I, I, I grew up a big Richard Sherman fan because of his athleticism and his ability to back up what he was saying. And now he's coach Sherm. So I, I'm not a hundred percent sure. I think that they might just want to focus on the quote unquote potential future of this franchise or anybody that they might be looking to give another opportunity to down the line um, versus him. I think he's going to be more of like an emergency break that they pull if nobody else is getting the job done. Yeah. And I was thinking about this too. You know, they brought him in because Gio Bernard's not available and, and um, you know, obviously Leonard Fournette is on IR, but if those guys, I, I guess this is more for like Fournette. If Fournette is able to come back for the you know the first round of the playoffs, is mm-hmm. Le'Veon Bell even on this team anymore, or do they just release him? You know, because you're, you're obviously not going to get rid of Rojo, and I don't think you're going to cut Keyshawn Vaughn again when he's the only running back under contract. So this could just be like a you know a two week hey come get a paycheck. You know, not yeah. not on his side. You know, he obviously wants to stay on the team for the long haul and potentially mm-hmm. win a Super Bowl and cap off what was a very interesting career. I mean, a great career at one point and then, you know, everything else in between that. But, um, yeah, yeah it, I don't know. It, it's so – it's very intriguing because you have to play someone on third down, and it's like, do you just keep trusting Vaughn? I do like every now and then they'll put, like, Cam Brate in the backfield. You know, they're obviously <laughs> not going to hand him off the ball, but, you know, he could at least, uh, you know, run out of there. And um, you know, have <laughs> and a situation like that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. He can break tackles. Which I, I thought it was pretty fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he can. Thing. You know, he's a physical guy. Mm-hmm. He's a physical guy. Let's see if uh, we'll start wrapping it up soon. Russ says, I want revenge on the Rams. I hear that. You know, the Bucks got revenge on the Saints last season, beating them in the divisional round. And then, uh, you know, oh, and on the way to winning the Super Bowl. So, I guess that'd be a nice little way to cap them off. But at the end of the day, if you win the Super Bowl, it doesn't really matter like whether or not you got revenge on this team or that team because you're the last team standing, you know? I would like to see it just because I really felt strongly about them having the ability to win that game. But you would, I would have to see the, the, the full-blown healthy roster that this season started out with before SMB got hurt in game one, I think quarter one versus the Cowboys, like the guys who initially stepped onto the field in the 2021 season, I would need to see all of them versus the Rams because they're just stacked on both sides of the ball. Like, I mean, an equally talented roster in comparison to the Bucks. So great game. Sure. But if you have a depleted Bucks versus the Rams, I wouldn't want to see it. Not, not as somebody who grew up watching the Bucks her whole life, I would just cry. I'm with you. Uh, I, I I agree with you uh, on that aspect. Uh, we're going to get into one or two more questions here. But first, let's queue up the next question. I just had it. These comments come so quickly. So it's like, I know, all right, I got this one locked up. Then I'm trying to find something else. Um, yeah, this one from Janice. Is Brady still... Uh, is Bray still be will Bray still be the Bucks QB next year? Because with the 22, 2022, you know, next year's schedule isn't <laughs> tough. Uh, we're gonna get to that in a second. Hey, it's you know, it's close to New Year's. Uh <laughs> we're ready to it's get that rolling. But before we get to that, uh, I just want to remind everyone that this Sunday, the pewter pregame show 
will be back uh, starting. The Bucks have a one o'clock game. Uh, so the Peter pregame show will be on at noon. Casey will be on it. JC will be on it. Uh, I assume John and Scott as well, too, unless, uh, you know, they're they're busy as well. But um, it's a great way to start that Sunday where uh, you're ready to watch Bucks football. Um, it's always a lot of fun. You guys give such great analysis and insight. And so make sure you go to our YouTube channel, which, by the way, Hit those like buttons, all right? Hit the thumbs up. It helps with our algorithm, so we appreciate you guys if you could do that. Um, but, yeah, the Peter pregame show will start right around 12 o'clock on our YouTube channel. And then after that, we go into the Pewter game day show, which is uh, a live in-game analysis while the Bucks are playing the Jets. Normally, it's John and our guy, Paul, but for this week, because it's my New York football Jets, or who used to be my Jets and me growing up in New York, it's going to be John and I for Bucks versus Jets. We last did uh, Bucks and Colts, where I was on the call. And uh, so the Bucks are 1-0 when John and I are together. But, uh, yeah, make sure you stay for that. Again, it's on our YouTube channel, so hit the like button, subscribe. Make sure you're watching that. Um, it's a lot of fun. You know, John is really the best in the business when it comes to, you know, being able to detail the game from the stats point of it, from the, you know, the, the X's and O's, the, the way teams are lining up and trying to attack the box and the way that the box are trying to attack their opponent. So there's no one better than John with that. Um, I will give you all my insight and analysis too, of just the way that the box are going about uh, trying to beat the jets. Cause I've watched a lot of the jets and obviously I watch every single box game. So it should be fun. I'll probably laugh. I'll cry. I'll, I'll have some fun with it, but um, make sure. Yeah. The pregame show, the game day show, it's a ton of fun. You can't get any better coverage than you can with uh, pewterreport.com. So keep an eye out on that for uh, Sunday. Again, starting at 12, and then kickoff is at 1, and we'll get it going at 1. So uh, back to the question about Tom Brady. Um, do you see him retiring before the start of the next season? Because I see him playing, but curious to get your thoughts. 100%. I don't think he's retiring. Um, nobody, nobody mentions the fact that they can play until 50, unless they have the intention of pushing it as close to 50 as possible. I think the only thing that takes Tom Brady out of the lineup is him, you know, not feeling hundred percent or working through any kind of injury or depending on where his body's at. But I mean, he just continues to excel and, and, and collect records and trophies. There's, there's no need to hang it up when you're a guy as passionate about football as this, you know, I'm more concerned about Tom Brady post football because I don't know that he's going to know what to do with himself at all. This guy bleeds football. Somebody else had a great question that kind of ties into this too was um, crap. It was like, besides the retirement, it was, do you see Tom Brady playing less games next year? If he does return to the bucks, that's a great question, I thought, too, only because, you know, you do kind of have to start preparing the next man up in this franchise ready to turn, you know, hand off the battalion to the next guy who's going to be the the face of, of the Buccaneers and the quarterback of the Bucks. But realistically, I think it's very hard to bench a guy like the GOAT. So what are your thoughts, Matt? Is he retiring? And do you think they start minimizing his playing time next season? Yeah, it's funny. And well, this question from Pat, we'll, we'll end on this one. But um, yeah, to answer that first one, I think he plays next season. But there's a couple people I've spoken to in the box media that have uh, a conspiracy theory that this could be Brady's last season. Because the way that he's answered certain questions about, you know, I've loved doing this and I'll miss doing this and I'll miss doing that. And just certain ways that he's phrased stuff where it's like, huh, is this his last year? And he makes and he wants everyone thinking that next year is his last year because he doesn't want all the retirement questions. So he could just play this season, it won't be a distraction, and then he just retires and he's good to go. My thought though, I think he plays regardless next season. But hypothetically, yeah. if the Bucs win a Super Bowl, uh, another Super Bowl this year, which is you know, could be very likely, you can't retire after winning two in a row, knowing that you could go for three in a row. And Brady won three in four years, but he never won three in a row. He's won two in a row. Yeah, he's won two in a row. But I think the the fact to go for that three-peat, but then after that, like, what if they went three in a row? Then it's like, well, you're at nine Super Bowls. You got to win a tenth, you know? Yeah. 
Well, the um, other thing too is like imagine that they don't get to the Super Bowl this year or they do and they lose, then you're talking about one of the most competitive people in in the league. Do you really see him hanging it up when he when the talent and the potential is there? That's the hard part. Like he's just so into this game that it's going to have to be a poetic like bow tie this is the end. This is that. And I didn't say he was going to play until 50. I'm just saying the guy made a comment that he'd be happy to do yeah. so, but he just turned what 44. I mean, that means that he's definitely got a year or two left in him. I just, I don't see it happening after this season. Yeah. And Brady said that he could play until 50, like mentally, physically that he could, but he said too, you know, he's a dad with, with three young kids. I don't think, I don't think his older kid is, is any older than 12 or something like that, but you know, he's got, three young kids that he are being a NFL player. There are certain aspects of their lives that he misses. Uh, I don't have any kids, so I don't really have a, you know, a, a place to uh, really, you know, be in his shoes. But, um, you know, I'm sure he just wants to be a dad too and go to all this kids sporting events and recitals and or whatever his, his kids are really into. So, you know, that's obviously a huge factor of why he won't play until 50, but to, uh, to get to this last question here from Pat Riley, uh, Bucks have no plan B at quarterback for the next five years. And with Brady at quarterback, they will not have a high draft pick. So Brady must play until 50 as he promised to. So Brady's not going to play until 50. But, um, you know, they started putting in a contingency plan. They drafted Kyle Trask in the second round of uh, this year's NFL draft out of Florida. Um, but I think it's a fair question. If Brady after, let's just say he plays after next season and then he's done, do you really trust Kyle Trask that we haven't seen too much other than the preseason games? Could Blaine Gabbert be a guy that steps in and, uh, you know, fulfills Scott Reynolds dreams and, you know, becomes the Bucks starting quarterback or do the Bucks find themselves in this type of quarterback roulette situation? Because Pat's right. The Bucks aren't going to have a high draft pick, but we've seen it more and more the past couple of years with Tom Brady becoming a free agent, Phil Rivers, obviously, and then you look at this year, there's a ton of questions about, you know, Aaron Rodgers, uh, will, will Russell Wilson become, a, you know, available? Um, a co- there's a couple other quarterbacks out there. Do the Bucks kind of just get back on that roulette table and say, let's just try to go with the veteran quarterback? Because that's been the recipe to their success for their two Super Bowls. You know, Brad Johnson was a veteran quarterback that came to the Bucks, And we obviously all know what's up with, with Tom Brady. I personally think unless they really trust Kyle Trask in two seasons from now, I would almost just see what veteran quarterback is out there and and find out if you can win with that guy because you're still going to have a great offense as long as you have Mike Evans and Chris Godwin there, assuming that they sign Chris Godwin. But why start this thing all over with the rookie quarterback or an inexperienced quarterback then see who's on the market in a season from now? Yeah, I mean, I don't completely disagree with that because you're right. There's been a lot of veteran quarterbacks that have come into franchises and just helped kind of steer them into playoffs or to a Super Bowl. My thing is, is just, you know, and and Jason Light's a brilliant guy, but why draft this kid to learn behind one of the best quarterbacks in the league to never give him the opportunity to lead the team? Like there has to be a trust factor there that Tom Brady's teaching him something. Something else to keep in mind, too, is, how much longer is Bruce Arians going to be around? Because we could be looking at a different head coach in a completely different system in, you know, a year, two years, three years from now. And Kyle Trask may be the best guy for the job or he may be the worst guy for the job. But you have to have your chance. I don't love the idea of how these quarterbacks have been thrusted into the NFL pace as rookies. I think it's kind of messed with some of them finding their stride and their identity and their ability to to thrive long term. But Second year, third year in the league, you've got to be able to perform and find that NFL pace or else you don't really have a career in this league. Um, On top of that, I like Blaine Gabbert as a quarterback, not just because that's Scott Reynolds guy and his dreams and fantasies would be fulfilled to see this man be the the (laughs) key one of the Bucs. But, you know, when when Jameis Winston was here he was kind of a a savior in my eyes because he'd come in and he'd be able to smartly use his legs in in certain um, situational football. And, you know, he has a pretty decent arm on him. So I could see them kind of, you know, having this one off with, or this one, two 
uh, punch between Blaine Gabbard and Kyle Trask, but I don't see the purpose in drafting a guy like Trask when they drafted him, how they drafted him, him learning from one of the best quarterbacks in the league, and then him just being this guy that's constantly learning and, and in a backup position versus being put in a position to carry a team. He's got to get his chance. Yeah, it's a, it's a very valid point. Luckily for Bucks fans, um, we don't really have to worry about that until a year from now. We're focused on the present, which is the Bucks have a game against the New York Jets and then have a couple, uh, hopefully more than one playoff game down the road in two weeks from now. Uh, right before we sign off, Casey, just give me a score prediction for Bucks versus Jets on Sunday. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Um, I think they hit the other. Or take it any direction that you want. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go with um, 38-17 feels right. I I would love to see them get in the end zone more. I'm glad that Ryan Suckup had a good performance versus the Panthers, but he was 14 of those 32 points. That's kind of unnerving for someone like me. So um, definitely I see about 38 points for them. I see them being able to hold off the Jets as long as there's a decent amount of guys in that secondary. And we can't always count on Jordan Whitehead to save the day, but it would be great if he has another outstanding performance. He does well every game, but um, yeah, 38-17 feels right to me. By the way, Emily, thank you. And I got the hat from Target. <laughs> huh, nice. Nice. There you Sorry go. Uh, I'm going to say, yeah. Yeah. Um, even with everyone out, the Bucs are just so much more talented than the Jets. It's it's not even funny. And um, we'll see what happens with Antonio Brown and Mike Evans. Nonetheless, the Bucs should really have no issues beating this team. And the Jets' defense has just been so bad. They haven't had a pass rusher in almost 20 years. Um, so I'm going to say the Bucs, like, just dominate the Jets. I think it's going to be 45-15. to 15. Bucks win to uh, start out the new year. And that's how we finish the last podcast of this year. So uh, thank you everyone for watching for Casey Hudson. I'm Matt Madera saying we'll catch you next time on the Peter report podcast energized by Celsius. Happy new year, everybody out.